you are being watched. The government has a secret system, a podcast that recounts every episode of Person of Interest. I know, because we made it. We designed the podcast to continue our bullshit, but we see everything. Random numbers of the week. People like you. Episodes the average viewer deems irrelevant. You wouldn't watch it, so we did. But I needed partners. Someone who had never watched this before. Hunted by weirdos on the internet, we record in secret. We will never find them. But, newbie or diehard, if your episode's up, we will find you. Hello, and welcome to the library for Podcast of Interest. This is a rewatch podcast for person of interest featuring two veteran operatives and one newly initiated. My name is Justin, and joining me are my two associates, my veteran operative Jude and our new recruit, Anna. Jude, Anna, I didn't screw this up once, so I must be back in my normal home. How are you two doing? Uh, my dog ripped a cat door off of my basement door. <laughs> In order to get to the bag of cookies, he somehow knew we're down there. Your dog is like an escape artist. Well, that's the Labrador in him. Labradors are just like naturally chaos goblins. Unless unless they're the like super chill form. It's like it's they're they're yeah. either chaos or they're just like the chillest dog that have has ever existed. What's funny is he's he is extraordinarily sweet when we're around. It's just you his his separation anxiety manifests as pure chaos energy. And today it, it has was, to make its own fun. Well, it's because I left the door to the cat door open. It's it's got a little like key that you can open and open it up. And I left it open, anticipating that I would let the cats through the little hole into the basement. And he apparently got his nose in there and could not fit his fat butt in there. So he clawed the whole door off so he could fit through the hole to get down into the basement. Oh, buddy. How are you, Anna? Oh, not bad. I actually had a pretty productive week, which is, oh, that always feels nice. Bizarre. Yeah. Also, I need to share with everybody the, uh, the, the entry that I came across while going through um, a list of concomitant medications from a data set, uh, which is I found a record for butt spackle paste yep <laughs> that's a thing that mm-hmm. okay okay it's a thing you put okay. up it's a thing i don't it's want, a uh i don't i don't want to know i don't want to know i don't want to know it's for diaper i okay i don't i i require no additional information my, my second favorite of the day was the uh the query that i ran across where um it was very bartleby the scrivener because it was a like this this field is required please enter the data and the response was just no (laughs) closed query (laughs) Uh, i empathize with that i've been there before (laughs) just reach your limit and all you can do is just reject it's it's unfortunate when you're on the other side and trying to clean the data and you run across those and you're like just why why the, the worst part is that they closed the query so then like and marked it as resolved and yeah. it's like you didn't you didn't That's resolve it. You just typed that no. That's hostile yeah. is what that is. I mean it's about as hostile as seeing it in notes escalated and just seeing a thing pop up in my workflow with no notes. <laughs> it's escalated. Um it's it's just escalated. Gave up, it's Justin's problem now. Yeah. Justin can fix this. He's the one who's been been here almost six years. He knows he knows more than the people who have been here longer than him. <laughs> He just wants to. He just wants to finish his day. But no, I did. I did the minimum amount of work that Justin could figure this out in ten minutes. But I'm the one who has to give the bad news to someone. Uh. Rip. Anyway, I think I think we're here to talk about some form of television. It's been known mm-hmm. to happen. Uh, I think uh, we have two. Episodes it was Babylon tonight. Five, You're- right? That's what we were talking about, or was it? Or was it Star Trek? No. <laughs> No, neither of those. We are covering the first two episodes of season three of Person of Interest. Those are Liberty and Nothing to Hide. I've got Uh, Liberty tonight, so I will start off. Take us away. Uh, Episode one of season three is written by Greg Plagerman and Denise Thay, directed by Chris Fisher. I don't know if it's Plagerman or Plagerman. I think it's Plagerman. It's Plagerman. Plagerman. I'm pretty sure. That's fu- that's fair. I feel like he probably wishes it was Plagerman, 
not Plagerman. I bet he got teased a lot. He was called like, you know, I hey, don't, play. I don't think so. When you're a writer, yeah, uh, when you're a writer, you don't want you don't want Plagerman. Your, ooh, your name fair. Then you get jokes about plagiarism. Yeah, but in high school and <laughs> in grade school, I imagine he preferred not to be referred to as the plague. The plague man. The plague man. Uh, anyway, sorry, Greg. Episode one is called Liberty. This episode begins with the resolution of what I imagine the bulk of Reese and Finch's numbers are like. They show up, destroy things, save a person in about two seconds, and go on with their day. Reese, as a hostage negotiator, shoots a bunch of kidnappers in the back of a van, crashing it in a way that would certainly injure, if not kill everyone in the back, and then lets the hostage he's there to save run off unscathed. This scene is so fucking preposterous uh, that it is the prototypical Reese scene. There is no way anyone would walk away from the damage he does to this van. Uh, but the hostage literally sprints off, hairs off like his butt's on fire. Reese, somewhat but disgruntled. But car, car, accidents, car accidents are fine in this universe, yeah. though. We've established this. Nothing ever bad, nothing bad ever happens in a car accident. Car accidents only are bad when they're used to cover up murder. Well, yeah, car accidents also have a moral value to them, where the the worse of a person you are, the more damage a car accident does. We're going to mm, see that yes. in dramatic effect this season. I'm going to make you eat those words, Otta, in season five. <laughs> uh, he, Reese, somewhat disgruntled at not having been thanked, uh, is greeted at the scene with a great deal of snark uh, and sass by now patrol woman Carter, uh, no longer detective. Shaw also has a quick and easy uh, number to take care of. Uh, and I'm only mentioning it for the absolutely hilarious fake Amish chin strap beard that Fusco is wearing as he drives the horse carriage uh, that she's in before she literally steps over him or like, uses him to steady her arm to shoot the Russian or the, uh, the mobsters that they come to kill her number. Um, the number of the week for the episode is one Jack Salazar, who definitely sounds like a character from a dime store novel or something. Uh, he is a Navy sailor who joined up to avoid jail time. He's in trouble with a bunch of Marines owing to a diamond smuggling operation that his buddy is involved in following some shenanigans that include the classic Strapped to a chair with a bomb hijink and hidden bar, Carter turns to Elias, who she is hiding in a basement somewhere for his own safety, who points her to a diamond fence he knows. At the fence's shop, shit goes sideways like an outhouse in a hurricane, and Shaw shows off her impressive shooting skills. Almost everyone dies, and the machine team flees before Scarface shows up to take the cash and the diamonds, proving Elias is the real winner in this entire debacle. Also in this episode, Root spends time in the nuthouse where she threatens to kill her therapist, talks to the machine, and sulks about not being allowed to kill the therapist. The end. <laughs> I, yes, I acknowledge that other that this, a, a lot of stuff happened in this episode that I did not mention, but I hit the high points. <laughs> so one thing, that, the first thing I think I want to talk about is Root. Yeah. Um, because oh, yeah. it's like she um, first is that she is her box changes. Yep. Um, yes. She is. She is no longer a yellow box. She is a black box with yellow bracketing. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting. We don't know what that means. It. Yeah. Well, we know, I don't. We know what that means. You don't know what that means, but we yeah. know what that means. Um, and I did. I did double check, and her box was indeed yellow at the end of season one. You mean yeah. season two? No, season one. The first time we like, like when she's when she's gotcha. um gotcha gotcha masquerade. Yeah. You know when yeah. she's masquerading as a number, um her box is indeed yellow. Yeah, the the explanation they give for that is that uh, and you you told us that, like you found that the explanation given for that is to is that it's it annotates her knowledge of the machine, which is incorrect. And I'm just going to assume that that is a thing that they had not fully defined yet. Yeah. yeah. Because that because that yellow box gets that that specific. I mean, that means asset. And I think that that specifically, like, I think that was something they hadn't def they hadn't really decided what they wanted to do with that yet completely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
And and I think in that episode, it was also like there as the uh, clue to the audience that something was something was weird. Yeah. Because none of the other numbers are yellow; yellow they're all white. Yeah. Uh, unless they're unless they're a perpetrator, in which case they're often red when yeah. shit goes shit goes sideways. And I think it. I think I think the the retcon of that is handy. Because it means you don't have to, because it means in the future, you don't have to tag people who might be possible threat, like villains who know about the machine, but maybe haven't revealed themselves yet. You don't have to tag them in the machine vision moments. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is handy. Yeah. yeah, like it worked nicely in that one episode, but it would be it would be kind of a slog to keep going. Yeah, yeah. I love the root stuff because I I love the discussion, the three way discussion that's happening in those scenes. Yeah, where mm-hmm. Root's talking to the therapist. The therapist is talking to Root, and Root and the machine are having a conversation. And those are three separate conversations that are happening because the, the conversation that Root is having with the therapist is is one thing. And the conversation that the therapist is having with Root is an entirely separate one. And then there's the conversation that Root is having with the machine that is, again, a separate one. And the negotiation she's having with the machine over, like, trying to figure out what it's teaching her, why why it it wants her to stay there, is really interesting. Yeah, it's that's fascinating to me that she's staying there because the machine wants her to stay there. And like work through work through some of her issues, I guess, with methodology. I love that yeah. there is so much. It, it is a degree of agency that we have only seen from the machine once before, with uh, the external the the meat backup situation mm-hmm. where where it was dumping yeah. its memories via via printer and having people type them in in the morning. Yeah. We've never seen the machine take agency like this before and like choose to make to take actions that don't involve dumping a number somewhere. So it's really interesting to to look at this choice and and try and understand what it's trying to accomplish. The the other thing that we've had that other than those two examples that is sort of in the ballpark is the the start of season 2 when John is like no really like you have to help me save Harold. Yeah, that's fair. But even then, it's yeah. it does that simply by by it, it it makes a choice. Yeah, and it sends numbers. But this is a, a very different. It is directly communicating with her, mm-hmm. and it's it's making decisions. It, it it's planning and and working much more directly than we've ever seen. And it it yeah it heralds yeah. a change in the show's direction for this season. I mean, what it is is that they're like now that the machine has been in some sense freed. Um, yeah, we get to see how it gets to protect its interests. And I mean, can we just use the word? Can we use the term uh, for for what? I mean, root is. I, I think in this episode, root is referred to as admin by the machine. Is she? Yeah, in the machine vision, you see like. You I, like at the end of it where the machine is calculating the possibilities of what will happen. Um, Rude is referred to as admin. Yeah, and it has like asset activation, probability of violence, etc. And then like and the like termination of admin. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it's not a huge. Are you talking about what what the machine refers to Root as? Yeah, which it's not. It hasn't come up yet, so it's. I mean. It's a fun thing to talk about when when it comes up, but now root is admin, which that'll get refined to a different term. Yeah. But I think it, it, it's it's because and part of this is because root is now we're going to see that root. I mean, this is a fun thing where root and the machine now have a connection that the machine has no idea what it, what this means. Yeah. And so, yeah, they have to sort out this relationship. But it puts her on a, on an, a level with the machine that only Finch has. And arguably, even Finch can claim to, to be, can, like, to have had that level of uh, interaction with the machine. And n- even now, it does not have that, that, um, that 
kind of uh, connection with the machine, that level of, of cooperation with the machine. I think that it's, it is a level, it's a level of familiarity with the machine that Harold has not had since they sent the machine to the government. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think the best, the best, this is, this is a great way to describe it is that the machine got, the machine went off to college, joined the foreign legion (laughs) and came back with a girl and came back gay with a girlfriend. (laughs) Um, Like, and so like Harold knows this person, like Harold knows the machine, but has not had any real meaningful interaction with it in ages. Yeah. Whereas Root is now intimately familiar with the machine. We know the machine was freed, but we don't we don't have a lot of clarity on what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's another part of this that I think is being illuminated here is we're we're starting to see some of what's going on here. I think like and the fun part of it is that Root Root has an idea of what she wants to be already, which is that she wants to be a priest of God. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and there, there are some important things in this episode is that Root is, while talking to the therapist, whose name I can't be arsed to remember, like continually refers to the machine as God. Yeah. And the other incredibly important first, Root calls God her. I was just going to mm-hmm. say, I would like to table a proposal that from here on out, we refer to the machine as she. Can I get a second on that? Yeah. I, sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, 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 the, the, the series definitely, uh, takes, takes into that of like, Root is the only person who really refers to the machine with that, at least for a a while. Um, it, it, a couple of characters I think will, I I think eventually catch on with that, but I, that, that is also the level to that is, I mean, we could go, this is a thing where I'm like, I want to do an episode where I talk, where we talk with talk, like uh, some of the people who have finished the series, but like to make it a very general statement, Root associates the machine as God and God is love and Root's gay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anybody's surprised by that statement. Um, yeah. Um, at least nobody that's seen that episode in season two. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, uh, Speaking of Root and Gay, let's talk, let's transition on to uh, Shaw and how great she is in this episode. She does like, I mean, from the, the first thing she does in this episode is do like the incredibly stereotypical, like, two gun, like, dual wielding pistol. I know. Like, blazing. It's, it's so dumb, but it's also really hot. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Which I'm like, I'm like, no, it's not, I, then, I love this. And well, it's, this. So here's what, here's why I love it. I don't care at all about the fact that it's two pistols. What I love about it is that it sets up what will be an enduring dynamic in this show for as long as both of the characters are there. And that is Shaw is Shaw and Fusco is Fusco. And Fusco thinks Shaw is nuttier than Squirrel Poo. And Shaw thinks Fusco for whatever reason, is like her perfect foil for when she needs like a straight man for for shenanigans. And the two of them together (laughs) is is my favorite odd couple. Is my favorite odd couple on the show. They're so good. I really, I really want I really want to say his nickname for her, but I I I can't do it. I want to let it I want you to I want you to come across it organically. But it is such a it is God bless Fusco. He is such a good character. And the two of them. It's a, like a dynamic that I forget about in the show, but it's so good. Yeah. And yeah. Him, him coming off the thing with the beard half off, like so flustered. And she's just like completely nonplussed by his, fr- by his frustration. And then just drops the phone and stomps on it and saunters off cool as a cucumber. God, she's cool. There's also the uh, you owe me a steak. I, and then the an last scene where she's just like line. holding a steak and chewing on it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, uh, or specifically, like, she is like, she's like, she's using a, a combat She's using knife. the steak knife. Yeah, she's using a combat knife to just like eat using just a knife. Which Yeah. <laughs> like she stabbed the steak sorry, and she's just squ- gnawing on it. It's great. 
Yeah, she it's is like the yeah. most feral thing. Yeah, she's just Oh man, I I love Shaw in this episode. It's it's one of those things where it's like the squirt bottle comes out and I'm like, "No, no, sorry, I'll be normal." <laughs> she's uh, she's fantastic in this episode. I love that line where at the it's at the the fences uh, office or uh, store and she just goes absolutely bananas with this gun and just drills like like half a dozen russians through a wall with this sniper oh, rifle yeah. she she's so yeah so it's like the first thing is like she starts picking off people using their muzzle flashes uh, like to track yeah. and she's like you're gonna ambush someone use a muscle suppressor bam bam loser <laughs> and then and then she's like and then she then she like tells john in the arm, through a brick wall, in the dark, you're welcome. And then the guy falls out the window. <laughs> and she's like, oops. Okay. I don't use this phrase casually, but it is the absolute definition of big dick energy. <laughs> she is just... I love the relationship between her and Reese because... She out machismos him almost every scene they have together. I mean, John in this one, like like when they when they're first tailing the dude, they go to the bar and like there's a fight that starts to come up involving the number. Oh, that's right, I forgot about that. <laughs> and as John goes to intervene, he just gets hit with a chair and eats shit. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. You can definitely see that they're they're transitioning the action stuff to her. Yeah, it's great. That John is doing like the spycraft thing mm-hmm. and and she's the she's the shoot punch person. Well, he'll have his moments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of uh, a specific episode in 6 7 episodes. Yeah, but having seen having seen the first 4, it's definitely clear like oh, yeah. that they're they're you know, giving it's definitely her the, clear that the they're moving they're moving day in day out. Know, Rolled violence. Yeah. Yeah. She's getting pushed hard. Like, and she is incredibly hyper competent. Like, you know, it's like John has like the spy stuff, but she has the like, she is really the action hero. Yeah. 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 That's what it really boils down to is Shaw is an action hero. He may be a spy, but she's a fucking action hero. And I love it. (laughs) I love Shaw. So much. Uh-oh. She's so good. And then there's like the scene where they're like operating on the number and the number comes, wakes up and sh- and Shaw immediately puts a gun to his head. She's like, don't move. Don't move. I won't. She's like, I've done worse. Let, let me take this bullet out of your shoulder. I'll shoot you in the head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, She's so good. I do want to talk about Carter because we yeah. like, we, yeah. like, she doesn't get a lot in this episode, but like. What she does is very is is important, and it seems like the start of a really interesting plot that I'm really looking forward to seeing how that develops. Yeah, um, she gets the um, fun scene with Elias and Scarface in the warehouse, mm-hmm. where like Elias tells her about where the diamond exchange is going to be, and like it's it's an interaction we haven't seen a ton of, but oh, it's so good. I some yeah. people. Some people have dogs. Some people have cats. Some people bring home a parrot. Carter, for reasons passing understanding, has adopt has decided to adopt a crime lord and keep him in a weird warehouse basement somewhere. That's weird, but only Carter could get away with it and make it seem like the rational thing to do. Where he's apparently uh, like surviving off of Uber Eats. <laughs> yeah. I I I honestly love that. Or it's just like Scarface is going to p- get take out everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, also, I just, he shows up and like the only thing that he does in this episode is show up at the diamond exchange after everybody else is like, everybody shot each other, grabs the diamonds and leaves. And the money. And the cash. And the money. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. the cash. and the cash. Yeah. Which is, it's like great. I said, it's such a, it's such a, a flex from Elias where he's like, I'll send them to this diamond exchange. You know, Scarface is just sitting down the block in a car, like eating a burrito. And he just, as soon as the machine team hairs out of there, he like 
puts his Taco Bell down, walks in, picks up the, the, the diamonds and the money, and then and then heads back. See, my cultural insensitive ass was like, oh yeah, he's just having a cannoli in the car or something, but like, no, it's much funnier if it's Taco Bell. Meanwhile, I have the, I have the mental image that like, he he goes that he also goes to Fusco's falafel place and that he's sitting there with oh, all that from the same yeah. place that Fusco gets it. Fusco, he and Fusco are like falafel bros without ever knowing it. Yeah, yeah, that's my head cannon at least. I, I just want to, yeah, I, I I just imagine like it's one falafel stand and like every other person in line, it like every other like pair of people in line are having like a secret meeting, <laughs> like the. <laughs> <laughs> like like you know it's that thing where it's like don't don't turn around you know it's like oh, i've got this information for you that's what this falafel place is it's half people who are like this is the best falafel place in the city it's got three and a half stars on yelp and there's a reason it does uh, and that's how you know it's good <laughs> this is probably not revolutionary information but i was on tiktok the other day i'm an old man who has recently discovered tiktok and is that's why you've been all spammed with random uh, Tolkien and keyboard TikTok bullshit the last two weeks. Uh, and I saw somebody talking about the, uh, the the best way, the way to find the best Chinese food in any city is to find the ones that are rated three and a half stars. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was, that's what I was making a reference to. And I thought yeah. that was, it was, that's one of those pieces of information. It's like somebody said something that everybody knows, but you've never actually put into words before. Because I immediately, as soon as I saw that, I was like, fuck, that is super true. Blew my mind. Anyway. <laughs> I noticed that we have not talked about the number plot basically at all. Um, There's a reason for I mean, that. It's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. fine. It's, it's, um, yeah. I d- it's not offensive in any way. Yeah, it's fine. It's it's there's there's some fun stuff that goes on there. Um, one thing that I I do like I do like the episode Liberty is referring to like sailors leave, but Liberty is going to be a very recurring uh, motif throughout this uh, this season. Ugh. Interesting. I didn't make that co- I didn't make that connection until you said it. But you're like, I hate that. That's true. That's really really correct. Yeah, it's. Like I didn't, it didn't click to me until I was watching it last night. I was like, "Oh, that's legitimately clever." Hmm. My favorite detail from the episode: we we learn um, what Root's like alias in the mental institution is, oh. um, and her name is Robin. And I'm like, "God damn it, Harold!" That is so many <laughs> layers of fucking shit eating grin. Yeah, I yeah yeah. It's very good. But yeah, I'm really excited to see where the root plot goes. And it seems like it seems like Amy Acker is just like basically a regular now or like very recurring. Both her and Shaw are upgraded to regulars this season. And and also I'm really looking forward to seeing where the Elias and Carter plot goes cuz that seems like it yeah. has the has the capacity to go some really interesting places. Mhm. Oh yeah. <laughs> also we've got we've got a bunch of new like machine view visuals that i'm really enjoying like uh as it like works through the probability trees and stuff like that yeah they definitely got a little extra a little extra money in the cg budget this year yeah i like to i like to head candidate as that now the machine is um now that the machine has uh freed itself it can now uh, perform hardware and software upgrades <laughs> mm. That's very good. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. But yeah, the probability the probability tree things is is very cool. I like it. Leads to one of my favorite episodes. Which, oh, which one? The one that's all about probability. <laughs> <laughs> I'm either going to love this or hate it. I'm guessing a, a lot of both. I it's <laughs> it's one of the, it's one of the most I it's, it's I get season It's an unhinged it's season episode. 4. Yeah. It's yeah, um, it's probably like the one that'll like we'll have to like emotionally debrief from it as part of the episode. Yeah, but yeah, I just imagine my girl's got some p like got got to buy some PS threes and uh, like <laughs> and, and like run some new algorithms or whatever computers do and like you know new look new uh, new look new body. Yep. there we go. Yeah. Uh, are we ready to uh, move on to 
the next episode? Yeah, I think so. Also, are we are we starting a new drinking game with concerned thir- third party because that's really coming back? I it at least, I don't think I, yeah, it was just like it, it happened in this episode. It's like in almost every one of the next like of this one and the next 3. So, like he says it a lot. Yeah, it 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 becomes a little bit of a meme at this point. Um <laughs> So our next episode is episode two, Nothing to Hide, written by Eric Mountain, directed by Frederick E.O. Toy. Um, our number this week is Wayne Kruger, a tech entrepreneur who's the CEO of a company that collects and sells data on people. Kruger finds himself under attack, revealing videos of himself cheating are played at an anniversary party, and a lawsuit is being brought against his company, as well as arrest photos are being leaked from his time at Stanford. The people after him don't seem to be working together, but are instead being supplied information from an anonymous source. Kruger ends up turning on the team after they save him and knocks Harold out to go speak with a potential client, a man named Peter Collier. The perpetrator turns out to be a guy named Stu Summers, the father of a woman who was killed by a man who stalked his daughter through Kruger's data site. Collier tells Kruger that the deal is off, and Kruger pulls a gun on Summers. Summers grabs the gun, but Reefs arrives and talks Summers down. Collier then pulls a gun and shoots Kruger and Reese. Collier reveals that he was the one who masterminded it all, and that we, a group that Collier was working for, sent Summers all he needed to get revenge, as well as the other people. He says that people like him are working to take back what was stolen from them. He then executes Kruger, seeing that there isn't any hope for him reforming. Meanwhile, Carter is training a new officer, Mike Lasky, who Carter is not very keen on, but Lasky gives him a sob uh, Lasky gives her a sob story about how her takedown of HR inspired him. There, there's not a lot there because it's just uh Lasky is Lasky becomes more interesting once you figure out what's going on with him. Yeah, yeah. So the I let's get this out of the way. Uh Collier is played by Leslie Odom Jr., which is cool. Um, who yeah, he plays, uh, for those of you who might not, um, he's been in a bunch of stuff, but I would probably say most famous uh, for playing Aaron Burr, Sir, in Hamilton. Yes. Yes. Um, and this was done pre-Hamilton. Yeah. But honestly, so Peter Collier is going to be a character who recurs. Interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I, it's, I'm really glad that they're not just letting this particular thread drop because I'm... I'm liking it so far, based off of this. I think, so I think Jude and I have differing opinions on this, but I like Collier as a character. I, and I, I like Collier as a character. I dislike the rest of it. There is a very fun Easter egg in that video that gets played in the, like, that shows, Col- uh, that shows Kruger cheating on his wife. What's that? Which is that you see that in like the montage of stuff, there is a still of Washington crossing the Delaware. (laughs) Yeah. So I will just, uh, I'm not going to give you anything, but keep an eye out for revolutionary war imagery and you will see and and, (laughs) references to it because it's going to be a weirdly recurring theme of interesting. this This is why I also pointed out the Liberty thing. Interesting. Um, it's very funny that this all ties into Leslie Odom Jr. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I had I had thought about this, that, but that weird, is very funny. It's weirdly spooky, but I love it. <laughs> and uh, at least based off of this episode, I feel like he, like, whatever organization he's working with slash for slash whatever has a bit of a, like, anonymous vibe to me. And yeah. And I think I think introducing that kind of entity to the show is an interesting piece of world building because it's it seems like a natural kind of kind of organization to to tie in in some way. I'd say that they are the secondary antagonist of season three, or at least a secondary yeah, plot the, line. Yeah, they're the secondary plot line that is running throughout it. And once they get a name and like once we learn a little bit more about them, there's going to be a lot more to draw on here. And I think that what they represent. Yeah, no, no, no I'm just going to drop this because it's like, no, it doesn't really make sense to talk about it because we, yeah, once there's more information, then we can have meaningful conversations yeah. about it. That yeah. I don't have to hedge. 
So yeah, um, I do. I I think that I think that Kruger is a very. Sp- I, I think Kruger is a good lead on point though to what Collier represents though, and like this man is scum of the earth, and I am glad that he that he is dead. Yeah, same here. <laughs> Honestly, same. Um, One of the least redeemable numbers in the entire show, if not the least redeemable number. I yeah. I would say that he is he is worse than Hitman. Oh, 100%. Uh, boy. The Hitman's just like stupid and scuzzy. This guy is like legitimate trash. And yeah, yeah. I it's like the, number the Hitman is like the the Hitman is like on a personal level bad. Kruger is a systematic evil. Yeah. It's interesting because this like the highly specific subgenre of episodes that are like about uncomfortably realistic corporate data mining, <laughs> and yeah. I I do enjoy Which that. Which part of Facebook do we want to do we want to make an episode about today? Yeah, the thing I enjoy about the, this number is every time we see Harold and his just like palpable hatred of this guy and everything he stands for and yeah. everything he does and makes money off of. Like it's Harold's absolute contempt for him is great, and I love it. Yeah, it's pretty good. My my favorite like running running gag at this point um also is well we've got a lot of great shot content here where um she's she's like in the office and and just like has the big like let me get my popcorn energy as like stuff yeah. is hitting the fan there. Yeah. Um with like receptionist leaving and and all of that. Um but th- there's the there's the like running gag of her like being food obsessed where where like they're at the party and Reese is like and Shaw apparently enjoys truffled quail eggs and she's like yes and <laughs> yes I mean it's a th- it, it's it is a weird writing quirk that you use to show that somebody is desensitized or like desensitized to certain things mm-hmm. uh, like you see coroners eating all the time. Yeah. And and being flippant and um like that's a like that that's a shorthand that writers use to be able to show like, yeah, they've been around death so much so they're like a little bit off, a little bit desensitized to it. And there's gonna be better episodes that ha- that I think will I mean that, that's a shorthand for it, and I sort of I, I'm like I think that that's it's it's fine. I, I don't mind. I there are going to be episodes that I think show how Shaw's like neurodivergency actually mm-hmm. affects her that yeah. do that a lot better. But I, I do enjoy her like vaguely feral energy. Yeah. yeah. Just, oh and, yeah. She's like, great. I, I'm looking forward to getting more into it um, and like developing her as a character, but it's also like just enjoy, like it's fun to watch. Too. Yeah. And I think that's, you're, yeah. I think you're you're correct that they're doing that shorthand, Justin. But I also think that there is a degree to which that's part of her character that they're developing is that she has this yeah. like kind of that she is kind of feral, that she's been kind of like detached from human society for a little while, and she has just kind of turned into this like sensory driven like fight fuck feed uh, creature for a little bit. I, I think it, it makes for a really compelling character. Yeah, the uh, and the thing I absolutely like love about her in this one is, is she is like she just show, she shows up just late enough to miss Collier and just see like oh Sean you uh, or uh, Reese you ate shit oh again yeah <laughs> yeah and Reese gets shot again one of the other redeeming things about this episode oh yeah. <laughs> Any episode where Reese gets shot, I'm into. I find that highly entertaining. This is very funny to me as a Bay Area resident personally, but the fact that uh, Kruger's arrest photo is the Palo Alto PD, right, is so funny. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> it's like, do you know how like the narrow, like the how specifically narrow of an area you have to fuck up in to get the Palo Alto Police Department? It's like one street. Yeah, yeah, it's like one street. <laughs> it's like Stanford has its own police department, and Palo Alto is wedged between like three 
Like EPA has its own police department and, you know, Mountain, Mountain View. View has its own. And like for Palo and, and, Alto and, to bust you. And if you're doing it and, and, and there's also like if you're doing it on like an actual highway, CHP is the one who's going who's gonna to get your ass. Yeah, he basically was drunk driving down University Avenue is what it boiled down to. <laughs> It's, to our, it's like, hyper-local just, like, yeah, knowledge. To our like seven listeners yeah. who, who live in the Bay Area, cheers. But This is going to be like, this is this is content specifically for Zappers' ears. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh, boy. God, it's just really funny. <laughs> It's like getting arrested in it's like getting arrested in Luxembourg. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's like like that's how specific this is. Yeah, I wish I could explain it. I, I had an analogy for it, but also there's a like the thing of like sh- the the thing that truly dates this episode, like the 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 data mining and stuff is that is still very timely. But the thing that really oh, yeah. dates this episode is that Shaw has a headphone jack on the top of her phone. <laughs> wow, that's in the that's a hell of an observation. You have a no headphone jack at all. Yeah. The the other important plot point is it's actually like a fairly small scene, but um, Carter goes to Cal's grave and fucking Quinn yeah. drops by too. Yeah, because he's like, oh, yeah, he was my godson. This sucks. And, you know, we're doing everything we can to look into it. And I'm sure that our, I'm sure that we have the best people looking into it. But I think so this is we're getting into on a prediction territory again sure. here. So, you know, I, I'm i I'm working to, to satisfy this content niche. Um, I feel like um, I think that this that specific meeting is going to come back because I think that Quinn revealed too much by dropping like the tidbit that, um, you know, that that it looks like Elias did it. Because, like, Carter knows that it wasn't Elias because Elias is, like, in her basement right now. Yeah. Yeah. And is currently, like, you know, I could just I could just deal with HR for you. I could do this for you. Don't ask what yeah. I would want in return. It's fine. It's fine. It's cool. Don't worry about it. I love this, like, little bit of, like, Elias who's, like, the caged monster who's, like, mm-hmm. offering you the most Faustian of bargains. That's yeah. the thing. That's, okay, so here's the thing about Elias that I love is I don't think it's a Faustian bargain in this case. Like, I don't think he would hold that over Carter. I legitimately think Carter didn't save him because she needed something from him. Mm-hmm. Carter mm-hmm. saved him because it was the right thing to do. And I genuinely think Elias is like, you know, I I would take care of HR for you. I know you won't let me because I know you. And I figured out that that's not what you how you roll, but I would do just I'm telling you now that I would do that for you if you if you wanted me to. I would roll these fuckers up in a minute if you wanted me to. But you're going to do it your own way. The Faustian bargain is that then Elias would be in control. I like, even, it's yeah. not necessarily a bargain like where he's she going to ask something. Carter for a, yeah. a favor or anything. The Faustian bargain is that then Elias is in control of the city. Um, if he's like, oh, yeah, I could take care of HR, take care of the Russians. Everything will be great. It'll just be me. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. That was a very interesting scene to me because the the fact that Quinn was like, dropped the thing of like, you know, it looks like it was Elias. Seems like something that Carter would potentially like ping off and mm. be like, hmm, hmm, no. Yeah. And and possibly like lead her to suspecting Quinn himself. So that'll be it. I'm really I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how like we've got kind of the start of a bunch of plot threads or like like we've had HR as a plot thread for a really long time, but Having Carter involved as opposed to Fusco is giving it like fresh life for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are rapidly approaching what I would call like the the climax of the HR plotline, and it's it's going to be a wild one. <laughs> Understatement. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have weird cough going on. Do we have anything else to say about this this episode? 
Do you want to talk about free falling elevators and how they're stupid? Um, yeah. So basically, is this going to be your 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 new uh, rotational baseball and rotational gravity? thing i think this is justin's new rotational gravity thing no because it only appears in like one episode but it's just literally an elevator in the united states has not free fall since world war ii we've basically made it impossible for this to happen yes and it's like they even call it out of the episode of like that's impossible well apparently not i'll tell that to the number that's like i see you (laughs) i see you and like uh I, I'm not even mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's 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 all I've got on this episode. And they, and they don't try to techno babble it at all. They're just like, no, it's falling. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Which, I mean, do worry yeah, about it because which, it's falling. Honestly, it's falling right now. Honestly, if you're going to do that, that's how I want you to do it. Don't yeah. techno babble me. Just say it's happening. I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, if something like that happens, it's because somebody wanted it to happen. And yeah. that's all you have to say. They made yeah. it happen. Good enough for me. Yeah. Don't pretend like this is a thing that, that actually happens. Make it clear that somebody wanted it to. We do get the return of somebody hacking into a car. Which is, yes. honestly, why is this not a plot that happens more? My car's got more electronics in it than my goddamn office does. Why? This is why I refuse to buy smart cars. Like or like cars with like computers in them. So what? You drive, you drive a horse and buggy? I mean, like, 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 I'm referring to like any car that was built after 2010. <laughs> okay, well, that's valid. But even then, yeah, I mean, any car that's built in the last 20 I years. I recognize basically. that all of my comp- all cars have computers on them, but like the only thing that is Bluetooth in my car is the little dongle I have so that it talks to my phone, so I so that it can then project an FM radio signal. Yeah. No, I <laughs> I, I respect that. Yeah, m- modern cars, like aside from the fact that like. Not even talking about like the really crazy ones, like the fucking Teslas, which apparently are like a bundle of badly QA Python scripts under the hood. Um, I'm I'm not kidding. This is what I hear from my friends in the industry. But even like a normal car, like there's so many computers and mm-hmm. they're pretty well. I mean, they put a lot of effort into securing that stuff. But also, like you can buy a fob that can clone any other fob on eBay. So why is this not a yeah. like? Why is car hacking not a thing that you you see in shows more often? Um, because honestly, I don't, because the because the writers either don't know about it or or like then it becomes like too common of a plot device, I guess. Or yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's the reason why like cell phones have sort of like ruined mysteries. Yeah, I guess that's one. Yeah, technology removes drama in situations, or just like makes everything like, well, why didn't they? Well, why didn't they? Yeah, well, that's because you have to. A lot of traditional narrative structures depend on communication gaps that technology yeah. fucks up. So you have to like, you have to invent new ones that don't do that. But yeah, the whole classic like couldn't get a hold of Bob is like, well, that's not really how the the world works anymore. If Bob doesn't answer a call, send him a fucking text message. Uh, I know four people mm-hmm. in my four people in the world that I can't get a hold of in under in under five seconds. Like, you know, <laughs> it's that's just how it works. All right. Well, these were two decent apps. I was looking at the list of episodes. Oh yes, yeah, so coming <laughs> up. Good Christ, episodes six through twelve are. Imagine episodes one through five are like when you go to Disneyland and you get in line for a really fucking good roller coaster. I know there's no good roller coasters at Disneyland, but you know how at Disneyland, when you get on a ride, the line is really entertaining because they've got like shit on the walls and I'd see even I'd say even episode five. Okay, so one through four. Because five is the Shaw flashback. Oh yeah, fuck yeah. Okay, so one through four. We, there's like shit on the walls and it talks to you and there's like people in costumes and you're like legitimately entertained even before you get on the ride. But then all of a sudden you're on the ride and there's like f- fucking boulders flying at you in 3D and lasers and all those. It's just, it's a fucking wild, it's Mr. Toad's wild ride. That's what's happening here. You are in the line for an absolutely bonkers series of episodes, six through tw- five through 12, six through 12, whatever. That is like, I'm trying to think of another block like consistently bananas good block of episodes in another show it's 
crazy how high quality this block of episodes coming up is. Yeah. And honestly, like I've, I've watched episodes three and four um, and both of those I felt were quite solid. I'm looking forward to talking about them with you. I mean, they don't even rank. (laughs) I'm calling something. I'm sorry. We're going to do this. I'm going to institute a moratorium on episodes if you can only watch up to what we are recording. Okay. Yeah, I think that's that's a good call. At least least until we're done with episode 12. Okay. Because, yeah, the, like, it's, like, once, like, starting with episode 5 and 6 is, like, this is the point where it's, like, oh, this is really happening. And So we talked about the fact that season 3 is where shit, like, really comes off the rails. This is what we're talking about. Like, every episode is not just a banger, but is, like, a world-building, character-building, shit-moves-fast banger. It's great. Well, I look forward to it then. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be... There, there's some really good stuff. And, yeah, I mean, like, once it gets once it gets to the mid-season finale with 12, there's definitely... There's a little bit of a let-up. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll lift the restriction after then, but... There is like these. I think we're gonna little. We're gonna regiment a little bit. Yeah, for sure. All right, so I can I can watch I can watch two more next week. Yeah, you can watch <laughs> five and six. I, I have to. Uh, we have to do it just because it's. Uh, yeah. If if we let you get through twelve, there would be some like we we talk about it all in the next episode. Yeah, fair. We, we would have fair. to record all the episodes the next week. Is what it would turn into. And yeah, we've got other we've got other stuff to do. Although that Zathras might be grateful for the uh, additional backlog. Yeah, there you go. It's one good way of looking at it. Oh, um, so, uh, oh, so I did have a I know that face for other um, than other than Aaron Burr, sir. Yeah. So um, the mercenary in the first episode. Oh yeah, uh, like um, he's played by Max Martini, who is uh. Max Martini is a male stripper name, if I ever heard one. Yeah, no, it really is. Um, uh, but he is in Pacific Rim. Yeah. Um, he's Herc-, uh, Herc. Huh. Which I was like, oh, yeah, that guy. Um, and he's just yeah, like. Yeah, I do recognize him from somewhere. Yeah, he's definitely got that vibe of like, oh, wait, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, next time we are going to be covering episodes three and four of season three. Lady Killer, and Reasonable Doubt. Until next time, you are being watched. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share-alike no derivatives license.